Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. While I'm a diehard health advocate today, I didn't grow up that way. Actually, as a kid, I ate Pop-Tarts for breakfast and fast food for dinner. I drank sodas and I devoured every type of candy I could get my hands on. As an adult, I've often said, you know, if I only knew back then what I know now. Today we have with us my friend Daniel Bissonnette. At the age of nine, he became a global activist for holistic lifestyle and healthy eating. By age 12, he was ranked as the world's top 100 most influential vegans. His new book, Biology of Greatness, shares no matter how old you are or how bad your diet is today, the human body is wired for rejuvenation. Daniel is in the house to show us how we can get a do-over. So if you want to feel better, live longer, eliminate stress, and shed those unwanted pounds, don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a 15-year-old prodigy considered the most in-demand international youth speaker in the health and wellness industry. He's an award-winning, number one best-selling author of Daniel's Breakfast Burst, and he's a sought-after health expert and lifestyle coach, and he's been called one of the world's most influential vegans. His message has been translated into 40 languages around the globe. He's worked with international speakers and authors and medical doctors and children and people with severe disabilities, and he's teaching them how to activate their inner genius and reach optimal health. His new book is called The Biology of Greatness. Welcome to the show, my friend, Daniel Bissonnette. Thank you for having me, Dr. David Friedman. Oh, it's great. Great to have you on the show. You become this trendsetter for a new generation. And I'm curious, what was your childhood like? Did the other kids support you or did they pick on you and throw Cheetos at you? <laughs> yeah, so I I was raised on a whole food plant-based diet. And I honestly thought everyone ate like that until my first day of preschool. And that was when reality really hit me. And I was actually shocked. But who the person who was even more shocked, or I should say the people who were even more shocked were my classmates. Because I, I, I mean, it was kind of weird because I was using the junk food as art supplies when I was younger. And so I thought of it as art supplies and they thought of what I was eating as bird food. So it was a very, it was a very, <laughs> it wasn't a very good relationship. And, and I got picked on for around six years of my school life. And it wasn't very fun, but I learned to keep quiet about my food choices. I learned that my opinions didn't really matter and that they would just get me in more trouble. But then in grade three, my teacher asked me to give a presentation about my diet in front of the class. And this presentation uh, was kind of what started it all for me because, you know, I, at first I wanted to say no, because why would I want to present, uh, you know, uh, more information about my diet into, in front of everyone who picked on me. But I thought, what if, what if I helped just one kid eat healthier? It would be worth it. So I did the presentation and to my surprise, you know, I didn't expect anything, but to my surprise, kids started trashing the junk and switching over to organic food. And my teacher loved my presentation so much, she put me in front of the whole class and then the whole school multiple times. And I was even <laughs> given as an example for the, the older kids in the school on how to do a presentation. And that's when I really found my passion and my voice. And I realized that I could, I could really help people with my message. And that was a really empowering moment for me. And that was when I was almost nine years old. And then when I was nine, I got invited to speak at a global rally. And that kind of started it all for me. So that's that's how uh, I kind of got on this journey. 
But when it comes to the biology of greatness and, and really what I am researching and teaching people about today, it really started for me in grade six when my teacher called my mom for a meeting and told me that I wasn't gifted in anything. He said, some children are not entirely gifted, but they're gifted in certain areas. With Daniel, nothing shows up. Nothing. In fact, his writing is so horrendous, I'm thinking of giving him the writing disability test. <laughs> now, this is really <laughs> shocking for me, As, you know, especially because like, even though by that time I was already a national speaker and author, I, I, it still really hurt me because I wanted to be a genius so bad. And, you know, I believed I was a genius. I mean, we all, we all uh, think we are special, right? And here... Here I was being told that I'm not good at anything and that I might even have a disability. So it really hurt me. But, you know, my, my mom is, uh, she kind of snapped me out of, this, out of it and suggested something really, really smart that got me thinking. She suggested, what if, what if my teacher's wrong? What if there's a way to turn on genius? I start to look into it because, you know, a kid doesn't have any uh, idea of what is possible and what isn't. And <laughs> that, that helped me out. So I, I looked into it and I found this really interesting, uh, really interesting information. I found out that uh, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, Nikola Tesla, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Gandhi, and many more great people and, and many more great geniuses. In fact, most of the geniuses that have changed history forever were all very conscious about their diet and they all ate a very different diet from the standard population. So I'm like, is that a coincidence? Is, is there something there? And I start to look into it further. And that's kind of what set me on this journey because then I discovered, I, well, first off, I'm like, oh, there's gotta be a way to turn on genius. So I look into it and, and I find a bunch of uh, articles teaching you to do crossword puzzles, which obviously is not gonna turn you into a genius no matter how long you spend doing crossword puzzles. And I, it was, it was, I kept spent kind of like six months trying to find a way and I wasn't able to find anything and I was just going to give up. And then one day as I was running to school, I ran into a bee. It stung me in the neck. And that's what really got the ball rolling when it comes to uh, looking into this, because I discovered that the bees are very interesting creatures because as, as I got stung in the neck, right, it's, it's a very painful place to be stung. So, so I was, it was on my mind all day. And, and naturally, you know, I'm an extrovert. So I kind of was telling everyone at school, Hey, check out my beast thing. I just got, look at me, you know, but you know, but it was on my mind all day. So I thought about it. I looked into the bees and I discovered we have a lot more in common with the bees than we realized. And what we previously knew about the bees was completely backwards. Every single larva in a beehive is genetically a queen bee. So this is, this is breakthrough. And I'm not saying they have the, the genetic potential or they have the genes inside of them. It's off. No, it's on. They are all queen bees, but they're all fed bee bread, which is made from pollen and honey. And bee bread is, it contains a plant flavonoid. So P-cumeric acid. Now plant flavonoids are great for us. And, and it's kind of like it creates hormesis, right? Like the, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of, uh, it's, it's just like a workout, right? So it's beneficial to us, right. but because bees are such small animals, it actually shrinks their ovaries and then they become a short-lived sterile worker bee who ends up working themselves till death. And then they die and, and nobody really cares. So it's, it's, it's a very sad life for a bee. However, when the, when the bee is fed royal jelly, and we're told that royal jelly is some magical substance and if you eat it, you might be, it might, might make you uh, even healthier, but Really, royal jelly is just kind of a nutrient-dense mixture. It doesn't have much to it compared to... Basically, it's more what the queen doesn't eat is more important than what she does eat. And that's something really interesting because it translates over to humans too. What we don't eat is more right. important than what we do eat or what we don't do is more important than what we do. 
And this kind of led yeah. me down the path of epigenetics because, you know, I thought to myself, this is great, but I ain't a queen bee, so this doesn't affect me, right? So, but then I discovered, and this was back then when epigenetics wasn't a cool topic, right? Now people talk about epigenetics like, uh, like crazy, the same, same amount as, uh, as the word biohacking, which used to be, you know, a very, um, it, now it's a very well-known term. But anyways, it, it was really crazy because the bees basically use epigenetics because just like the bees, we can alter our genetic expression with our environment and with food. That is exactly how the bees do it like down to the letter. Now, of course, we won't be able to fit in a beehive and we won't be able to eat their food. We have to figure out a way for ourselves. But the fact that they use epigenetics too, I just found so fascinating and it's so empowering. So I spent the next three years of my life researching and experimenting, uh, figuring out ways to upgrade my biology. And this is really the biology of greatness. It's the combination of, of everything I've learned over those three years. And I actually rewrote the book multiple times because I wrote it over like a um, over a three year period, so you have uh, something written by a eleven year old, and then you have uh, the ending chapter, which is written by a fourteen year old. So there's a very different, very different writing style, <laughs> and and you yeah, can notice a big that's difference. Great. I got I got to say I love I love your book. It uh, encompasses everything from healthy eating to simple lifestyle modifications that we could really start today to bring us to the next level. One thing that impresses me about you, I get so many authors that are coming on here that are saying skip breakfast and you and I are on the same page. We believe that breakfast is the still most important meal of the day. Share why you're a fan of starting the day with food to fuel the body. Yes. So breakfast is the most important meal of the day because you've been fasting for eight hours. So your body is now primed to absorb the most nutrients out of your food. And you right. want to make sure you, you really master that meal. And it's also important. The biggest thing is it's important to have a breakfast uh, at the time of breakfast because technically breakfast is whenever you have your first meal. But ideally, you want to have breakfast in the morning because the issue is when you don't have breakfast, you're you oftentimes overeat at dinner time. You overcompensate. And when you overeat at dinner time, it ruins your sleep because you're digesting at night. And your sleep is not something you want right. to mess with. So that's a big reason you should you know, uh, skip dinner if you're going to do intermittent fasting. Another reason is because, yeah, yeah it, it, that's, a, that's a really big one that a lot of people uh, miss out on. It also links so to- big, Especially be, because the intermittent fasting is so popular, people think, hey, skip breakfast. But there's research now showing that skipping dinner instead of breakfast from a metabolic standpoint is better. Yeah, and then also it, caused to, it causes a, a weight gain because when you eat a bunch of calories before bed and you're not yeah. burning it throughout the day, then you, you gain weight. So there's a lot of True. reasons why yeah. it's not a good idea. And even Dr. McCullough now is- uh, promoting skipping dinner and having a big, nice breakfast. And when you have a big breakfast, yeah. you're not going to be hungry uh, before before bed or, or at dinner time. And oftentimes, if you are hungry, you're not going to be that hungry. You might need a little snack uh, or you can just sure. fast. Whereas they did, you know, they did, yeah. they did a study and they found that you can actually lose weight doing that. So that's one of the reasons why I'm a big believer in skipping dinner over breakfast, if you yeah, are. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. Yeah. One thing that you devote a chapter in uh, on is cold immersion. You talk about how it helps with weight loss, immune support, and improved mindset. Share with us, how is being exposed to extreme cold temperatures so beneficial? Well, you know, it creates hormesis. But the biggest thing for me, and this is one, uh, one thing that I devoted a whole chapter to, was it activates alpha brain waves. And alpha brainwaves are, they're like the best biohack when it comes to unleashing your brain power. And it's probably the closest thing we're going to get to activating genius. It is so powerful. And it's actually athletes number one best kept secret, you may have heard of it uh, referred to as the zone. 
And it is so powerful because you're in a very relaxed mental state, except you're extremely focused and procrastination doesn't exist in this brainwave state. It's also the brainwave where creativity happens. So, you know, brainwave is a, uh, when millions of neurons fire in synchronicity and it creates, you know, a brainwave. And because we're electrical beings, that is an electrical impulse. And that brainwave has a lot of meaning to it. It controls your state. It controls your mood and your performance. So if we can change our brainwaves, we'd be able to control our state. And if we want to be productive, then we have to activate the alpha state. And, you know, I could, I could be talking about this for hours. But basically, the biggest thing with cold immersion is it activates this inner defense mechanism. It's kind of like the fight or flight mode, except an inner response. And what happens is it ends up boosting blood flow to the brain and lowering right. your brain waves. So you automatically go into alpha state and you have more uh, you have more oxygen in your brain. So your brain can think faster and it has more energy. So that's the biggest thing. And when you when you get out of a cold shower and you really have to do it right, I kind of it, it's mm-hmm. I've kind of mastered it to, or I wouldn't say mastered it like Wim Hof, but it's uh, it's a very easy way to achieve this, but I've been practicing this for uh, I think three years now. And what happens is you have to master your breathing, you have to master your mental state, and when you do that with the cold, it snaps you into this in this inner defense mechanism and this meditative state. And when you get out of there, you feel amazing. You have more willpower. You're so productive. And I'd like to share with you some of the tips. I'm I'm sure you're also a big fan of cold immersion, but one of my favorite ways to to uh, to do my breathing in the cold shower is just actually just basic deep breathing. It's just very interesting. And this is one uh-huh. of the things I really like about you is it's really simple and oftentimes uh, things that are free that are really beneficial to us. You know, I like, I like your, um, I like how you talked about beating coronavirus with, uh, with sunshine and how it's, it's a free, it's a free and a very effective way of dealing with the virus. And of course, that didn't go so well with mainstream media, but no, no, <laughs> yeah. sure did. No, but we, I've seen video of uh, videos of you actually just laying in the snow. Yeah, with, I can do that. No shirt on. And no, I can do that for 14 wow. minutes. And it's really, Jeez. it's really about uh, relaxing. Cause you know, as soon as you get in the cold, uh, it's, it's about, it's really a mental, it's mental endurance more than, more than physical endurance. Cause your body can deal with yeah. the cold, but we've been programmed like our entire lives to put on a scarf, put on a hat, put on some gloves. You're going to get cold. You're going to get a cold, but that's not true. You're going to get a cold if you spend too much time in the cold. However, if you're really mastering your mental state, your body can handle the cold right. for a few minutes or 40 minutes. It actually is very, very beneficial. You know, I, I have gotten. Yeah, not only that, it helps with 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 the inflammation or bring inflammation down. And one thing that I had a, a couple of renowned plastic surgeons say: the reason people have such bad skin condition is they wash their face in warm water and then apply everything on it. They don't do cold after. You should do cold because it closes the pores, and that way protects the skin. And not many people do that. So they slap some cold water on your face after you've cleaned it, and that way you don't get all the dirt and stuff in there. So I said, wow, there's a lot to this coldness. So it's, it's good for, I guess, unless it's you're in the winter and you're freezing, you say, last thing I want to think about is taking a cold shower. But as you said, that works as well. Let me ask you, the nutrition is like your top pick. I read in your book for optimizing biology. What are some of the things you credit for keeping you in such pristine mental and physical shape? Do you have any favorites? Uh, well, when it comes to nutrition, it's, of course, you got to make sure your brain's getting the right building blocks. So omega-3s is important. And yeah. then, of course, vitamin D3 is one that a lot of people are deficient in. And it's one of those that are really essential for not only your health, but for certain neurotransmitters. So you want to make sure you're getting enough vitamin D and enough sunshine. 
And it's really, really, uh, it has a profound effect on your health. And it's crazy how many people are deficient in it. Another one is iodine. Iodine is a really big one because a lot of people are deficient in iodine. And iodine is a very essential, it's actually, it's so essential to the brain that babies who don't get enough iodine when they're born have a lower IQ. So you want to make sure if you, you know, if you are currently pregnant and you want to give your baby the best brain possible, make sure you get enough iodine. And this is one of the things I talked about on Ben Greenfield's podcast. Iodine is so important. And there's a lot of what are, what are called iodine antagonists in our environment, which are basically, there are substances that are not good for you, like uh, fluoride, chlorine, and bromine, but they're very similar on the atomic level to iodine. And since you have a, your cells have a very primitive kind of recognition system, it will think it is iodine and, and it will end up blocking the receptors and, and causing causing issues in the body. Uh, what happens is when you consume good quality iodine, your body thinks that, oh, I have this good quality iodine. The iodine antagonists look like lesser quality iodine to it. So it gets rid of them and detoxifies from them. So it's really important to make sure you're getting a good quality iodine. And that is something that is very effective. And it's another one of those things that are really, people are really deficient in it because it used to be in breads, right. it used to be in foods. And, and now right. we just can't get enough of it from food. That's so, so true. I know in the second part of your book, you have some healthy recipes, everything from salad, smoothies, spaghetti to ice cream and cookies. I've seen you make some of these on social media and uh, I wanted you to share with the listeners, what advice do you have for people that are listening using the excuse they just don't have the time to make healthy meals at home? T-I-M-E, that, that, four, that four letter word. What do you have to say about it? So I'm a really passionate chef and actually right before I got on this interview with you, I made this delicious uh, lemon custard bars and I just love uh-huh. cooking. For me, it's it's almost meditative. And and it's just, it's something that you, if you don't have five minutes to make a meal, like there are ways to make really quick, easy meals. And that's one of the things I find with recipes. People think that the more ingredients you add, the better it's going to be for you, the healthier it's going to be. But keep it simple. You don't want to overload your body with too many ingredients. I had a friend whose dad would put pepper, tomatoes, blueberries, and a bunch of fruits and vegetables and broccoli in the smoothie. It literally, just thinking about it, is like the most disgusting thing ever. But he thought it was really healthy because he was he was giving all the vegetables and fruits to his kids that they needed to to be you know to grow a long happy life, right? Yeah. But it's not it's not like that. <laughs> first off, it's horrible food combining. Second, it's disgusting, and it's not going to help you because you're you're overcomplicating things keep things very simple. And that's one of the things I have in mind with when I'm creating my recipes in, for example, in the book or when I'm making for myself, I make sure they're very, very simple and yet delicious. And right. people find that, oh, I need to add more ingredients, but you don't. And it's very quick that way. And it's just, it's so and, simple yeah. and, and empowering. And I'll give my tips for making a good recipe. Uh, for example, for desserts, which is of course something I'm really passionate about because you can enjoy life right. and still upgrade your brain. And so you got to make sure you have a good sugar because you don't want to use uh, cane sugar. You want to make sure you reduce the sugar. For example, like my sweet potato pie recipe, which I just posted recently. That one's a really good one because it's low in sugar from the sweet. The sweet potatoes naturally have some sweetness to them, so you don't need to add as much. It's still delicious. Uh, me, my, my my dad and my brother devoured the whole thing in like an hour of making it. At, right. you know, even though we're supposed to let it cool. <laughs> and the best part uh-huh. about it is you're getting your vegetables too, and you're getting some antioxidants or antioxidants. I find antioxidants sound so much cooler, but you're getting the antioxidants from the um, from the purple pigment inside the, the pepper. So 
yeah, it's recipe yeah. like that. So, you know, when you, when you and like you said, it, it's simple. People, I think, overwhelmed just the thought of it. When I hear somebody tell me, oh, I just don't have the time, I take a sticky note and I write down the word time on it. And I ask them if they see anything jumping out at them and they look at me confused. And then I circle the word I and the word me. And I tell them the word time is trying to tell you something. You can take a little time for good health today or have less of it when you get older. And I've had people get that sticky note. Daniel put it on their mirror and that changes their lives because they I gotta make time for me. I gotta make recipes. I gotta eat healthy. I also find you know, it's it's all about that. Yeah, I also uh-huh. find people have a lot more time that they realize. There's a there's a lot of procrastination yeah. with social media that happens. And it's something you really have to monitor. Like it's amazing and just checking the uh the social media time and how much time you spend on a daily basis. Uh, you don't realize because it adds up very fast a few minutes here and there, but you could save a lot of time with just that alone. Yeah, that's true. Now, are you still 100% plant-based eater? Or have you ventured into other animal sources of food? Yes. Um, I've kind of switched over to vegetarian because of the choline in egg yolks. And choline, you know, it's an essential building block for acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is essential for not just the developing brain, which, you know, of course, I'm, I've just hit puberty, so I need all those nutrients right. right now for my growth and development. But also, it's really important for people who are getting older because your acetylcholine naturally goes down, but acetylcholine is an essential neurotransmitter and it's essential for memory. It's essential for taking the short-term memories and bringing them over to the long-term memory, uh, you know, category oh, yeah. in the brain. So it's really important. It's, it's one of the most important neurotransmitters. In fact, it was the first neurotransmitter to be discovered. But the problem is if you want to get uh, the building block for it, which is choline, you got to eat a ton load of broccoli, soy, and potatoes because those are the highest vegetable uh, sources, highest plant-based sources. The problem is I'm not a big believer in potatoes. I don't eat potatoes. Uh, Sweet potatoes aren't actually a potato and they're not a nightshade, so that's good. And then I also, I like to stay away from soy because it's an endocrine disruptor. And, you know, endocrine disruptors are something you got to stay away from. And they're so popular in our environment, so I don't want to add more endocrine disruptors on my plate. And then broccoli. Now, I love broccoli, but I'm not going to eat I'm not going to eat uh, the ridiculous amount of broccoli every single day that is necessary to get enough choline into my diet. It's just, it's not happening. It's like an impossible amount. So then you look at the best source uh, that is not plant-based, egg yolks. Egg yolks contain, uh, I think it's either a half or a third of the amount of choline you need on a daily basis. And of course, men need more choline than women, but it's just by a few grams. But it's like, it's ridiculous how potent the choline content is in egg yolks, but you wanna make sure you have it running and you don't wanna, you wanna, because if you overcook it uh, or you make you make the egg yolk solid, what happens is you lose a lot of the heat sensitive nutrients in the egg yolk. And this is just uh, the example uh, for acetylcholine, right? Choline. Egg yolks also contain a lot of other building blocks for neurotransmitters that are essential for the brain and, and for happiness and for sleep. So looking at that, I'm like, okay, I'm 15, and I think I should try this out and see how I feel. And so far, I, I felt great, and I know a lot of a lot of vegans out there are a little disappointed when I posted my um, when I posted my what is it my sweet potato pie recipe, and they saw me putting eggs in it. But the thing is, like, if you get your egg yolks or your eggs from a very sustainable uh, local farm that is biodynamic and organic, it's going to be much healthier and it's going to do a lot less damage than the palm oil filled 
uh, vegan snacks, which cause so much damage and are responsible for almost wiping out the pygmy elephants. Yeah, so true. Which is just one example, true, and the true. orangutans. Yeah, I, so. I was a diehard vegan for eight years, and I went back to including eggs in my diet and eventually started doing some wild-caught fish. But, you know, for me, I, I saw an improvement in the gym, my energy level, and, you know, it's just, I, I, for me, I saw a difference. It's like, wow, you know, I, I felt just so much better. And so I'm a big fan of eating eggs. I think it's the perfect uh perfect multivitamin from nature really so i think that's great it and is then, yeah it really is and then so so back to the genius so people they, they hear your story you were told uh you know you don't have it you're not you're not smart enough you don't have gifts and, and look at you become you're, you're you're smarter than the average bear and a lot of people that i've interviewed would be like wow i gotta look that up <laughs> but so what do you have <laughs> to tell these people that are dyslexic they're slow they're being told they're worthless what do they need to know what can they do differently well, oftentimes when, you're, uh, when your brain is not performing at its peak, or for example, when your IQ is lower than average, it's a lot easier to increase your IQ. And you can even increase it by like up to 30 points, where someone who isn't as low in IQ can't. So there's a lot of hope for people like that. Right. And it's really simple because you really have to look at your diet. And this is one of the things I do uh, when I'm coaching people. I do private coaching and it's amazing the results. What I do is I completely re go over their diet with them and then we redesign it from the ground up. I started working with this guy recently named Simon and you know he's, he's kind of like he had the standard uh, diet, uh, kind of like the standard American diet. So it's no coincidence that he felt low in energy. He would crash on the couch every single day when he'd come home from work. And we completely redesigned his diet from the ground up. So nothing from his original diet was in there. We replaced it. And he was eating a lot of soya sauce, which is a huge, huge problem because you don't want that much soy and endocrine disruptors in your system on a daily basis. So we got him off of that. And I'm a big believer in substitutes that are really simple and easy to make. I don't want you to make sacrifices or diet because what's going to happen is as soon as you, you have the opportunity, you're going to go straight for what you can't eat. So I'm a big believer in healthy substitutes. So we did that. And already within just a few hours of coaching, he sent me a message on Instagram saying that he finally has enough energy to hang out with his friends after work. He had an amazing time on the weekend. He's low, He feels like his days are longer now because he's got more energy to, to live life. And that's just really inspiring for me. And that's why I do what I do. And, and I believe that if you redesign your diet and your environment and your habits from the ground up, you can dramatically increase and improve your health and brain power. And that's, you wow. know, that's, that's the basis for my new book, The Biology of Greatness. That's true. What's your favorite brain food? Do you have like a go-to snack that just helps increase the thought patterns and, and cognitive? I'm actually ability? not a big believer in snacks because I believe you should be satisfied and satiated for long enough uh -huh. with your meals. And if you're not, then, uh, then you need to work on that. So that, yeah. that, that would be my, my advice. Yeah, my snack is uh, walnuts. It's so good for the brain. In fact, yes, they look walnuts like the brain. are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah seen them. They, look, they actually look like the brain. It's like, hey, maybe maybe nature's trying to tell us something. And it has the, the, the fats for the brain, so that would be my go-to as well. And blueberries, you're a big fan of blueberries. Yes, yes, I, I am a big fan of blueberries. Although blueberries are like a meal to me. <laughs> we, I, I literally <laughs> go, on, I go on the blueberry diet every single uh, year for like a week or two when the blueberry season is on. I, I Like this year was crazy. I got to tell you, when you eat that much blueberries, you got really good colon cleansing. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of blueberries though. Yeah. I mean, they are an amazing food and and they they're local here, so so yeah. Yeah, I have a, a patient. He's uh, almost almost a hundred. He's like ninety eight and a half. Plays golf. He he drives. He lives alone. He's sharp as a tack. And I, I love studying old people that are healthy. I said, "What do you think your secret is? Why are you so sharp?" And he said, "For over half a century, every morning he's eating blueberries every single day of his life for half a century." 
that's enough for me. And then the science behind it showing the proanthocyanidines and it's like, wow. So ever since you told me that I really upped my blueberries and, and so, and you're starting so young, you're going to live to be 160 and still have a, an IQ. The <laughs> yeah, way blueberries, are, <laughs> blueberries are an amazing food. And actually one of the things I talk about in my book is pairing it with cardamom because blueberries, uh, one of it, it has this amazing benefit of actually doubling the amount of natural killer cells, right? Cancer fighting cells in your yes. body. And when you combine that with cardamom, which is like uh, it's like the the natural steroid for your for your natural killer cells, and if you if you have enough cardamom in your system, you can actually increase your natural killer cells strength by up to 10, uh, 10 times, wow. like tenfold. So it, that is crazy powerful. So I say when you combine blueberries with cardamom, it's like having your uh, immune system doubled and on steroids. But of wow. course, there's no side effects to cardamom. It's an amazing spice. Um, I wouldn't recommend consuming cardamom and blueberries together in the same smoothie. I've done that for a few years, and I don't really enjoy the flavor of that. So as long right. as you consume it within the same day, you're going to get those benefits. It's not one of those things that benefits from being um, – I'm sure it does benefit from being combined, but the real power comes um, from those separately. And when you put them together, it's a, it's just like a powerhouse. That's really what it is. So that's, that's one of the great combinations I yeah, love. Yeah, that's good, good advice. Before we leave, I want to ask you, you know, you've achieved so much, and you're not even old enough to drive a car. What's on the horizon for you? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Well, I really want to help more people and, and get into uh, coaching more people because I find that it's really powerful to coach people and, and help people uh, just upgrade their life from the ground up and kind of hold your hand through the process. So that's what I see for myself. But I mean, time will tell. I really, I really am, am excited for the future. And I, I don't know, I'm just going to continue on this path and we'll see what happens. That's awesome. I see the biology of greatness turning into a Netflix documentary. What do you think of that? Doesn't have a good good, yes. good thing to it? <laughs> I see that happening. So, hey, plant that in there. You, what you believe you conceive, so you never know. That's fantastic. And the, we got about 30 seconds left. Anything else you want to just chat about real quickly about that we didn't cover about the biology of greatness? Yeah, yeah. If you'd like to get your copy of The Biology of Greatness, there should be uh, a link. I don't know where you guys will put it, but it is uh, thebiologyofgreatness.com slash David. And you'll go mm -hmm. to uh, the website there where you get to look at the book and learn more about it and get your autographed copy. Fantastic. Time just flew by. I want to thank you so much for being here. I was looking forward to uh, sharing your wisdom, your youth and your wisdom. Some, some of these you. folks out there, hopefully they took good notes. You're an inspiration to all generations. To get your copy of The Biology of Greatness, go to thebiologyofgreatness.com. And I highly recommend following Daniel on Instagram. He's at the Daniel. Bassinet, he's uh, his posts. Let me tell you, in videos, they're so thought-provoking, they're entertaining. I look forward to them every day. This is one of the first I go to, so definitely follow him. And Thank you can you. follow me on Instagram at Dr. D Friedman, and everywhere else on social media, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. If you heard Daniel share something today that would benefit somebody that you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com, and peruse our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co workers and on social media this information is too important to keep to yourself sharing is caring and you can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and itunes more to come stay tuned stay well and tap into your inner genius